Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you doing today? I'm running like a thoroughbred <laughs> in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> it sounds like it. Man. What a nice day. It's cold out there, but the sun's shining. You know, and it's really going to have that polar vortex hit this weekend. They're seeing below they say. zero temperatures. Yeah, and snow and rain. Yeah. So probably more snow. So. Yeah, just great for us old men. I know, I know. Yeah. Hey, you got something you want to plug. I do. Okay. Uh, you know, for a number of years, I've had this travel CD tour of Casia County, which uh, begins in Burley, goes up through Albin, Elba, Almo, the city of rocks over to Oakley and back to Burley. And you turn it off and on as you go. It's There's two CDs uh, with a map. And, uh, you know, along the way I talk about the Oregon Trail, the California Trail, Diamond Field Jack, the Cattle and Sheep Wars, mining, Connor Creek Massacre, the Pony Express, uh, stage holdups, things like that. And uh, if people would like to get this, I only need to sell about 500 more to break even. So... <laughs> Well, you know, there, there's kind of the beggar's attitude. Please <laughs> you know, buy please, my tape. Please, you know. <laughs> but uh, you can get those at my old office uh, where my nephew is practicing, Travis Turner in Burley. I see. Or call me, 431-3355, or uh, just go to my webpage, Dr. History, and just send me a message with your phone number, and I'll call you. Uh, I think they still have some over at the Chamber of Commerce. Okay. But this is, it's kind of a neat gift. Let me and, see it, by and, the way. And, uh, well, okay, here, You catch. know, hand off, fumble. <laughs> and if you have family you really don't like that come to visit, you can give them this, and they'll be gone all day. <laughs> And with a little luck, they might get lost and end up in Nevada. I love that. No, this is really something from Dr. History. And let me plug it a little bit. It is called Trails of Adventure. Yes. I love that. Dr. History. And the only thing that's not on there, because he didn't want to scare the smaller children, is his picture. <laughs> oh, it's on the inside. <laughs> so, once again, how much does this sell? $20. $20. Yeah. Well worth that. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a fun yeah. day's activity. Oh, I better not keep that. You'll take it I know. It away. I gave you one already. I, I, Somewhere. It's up there. I know it is. Okay. And it's excellent. By the way, very well done. Thank now you. that we've uh, paid the bills and right. made you happy and earned you money to buy your wife a Christmas present, what are we going to talk about today? You wanted Christmas stories. Yes, for I the, did. Uh, for the month of December, okay. and I love to read them and hear them. And so this is going to be a World War One and World War Two story. Is this one that we had on about two years is. ago? It, it is. So I, you'll, I think I'm going to remember what yes, you said. Yes, you will. So starting in World War I, uh, around Christmas 1914, uh, in the week leading up to the holiday, German and British soldiers actually crossed trenches to exchange seasonal greetings and to talk. During the war? Yes. Yes. And in areas, men from both sides ventured into what we call no man's land mm. on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to actually mingle, exchange food, souvenirs. They actually had joint burial ceremonies, oh and, and they actually uh, swapped prisoners during that time. You know, isn't it a shame that they, the soldiers, couldn't have just told the higher-ups enough? Yeah, we're done. Yeah. You know, but there was carol singing. They actually got together and played, uh, we call it football, but it would be soccer. And, oh. Oh my goodness! Uh, 
now the following year there was a few more ceasefires and truces but uh, the higher ups uh, got word of this and uh, they pretty much uh, uh, put an end to that in world war, after world war 1 mm. but the germans placed candles on their trenches and on christmas on, on christmas trees and they uh, continued the celebration by singing christmas carols the british responded by singing carols of their own uh, it, it was really a pretty neat thing they actually exchanged uh, like uh, tobacco and alcohol and souvenirs and buttons and hats may i say something here quickly that sure. story that you're talking about just proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that christmas christmas is a great unifier yes no around the world Absolutely. pretty much now uh, as i mentioned uh, by the time world war ii came around there was no truce similar to the one that occurred in 1914 in world war one but uh, there's something else, a story we're going to get to. But okay. generals on both sides determined to prevent the fraternization in the future, and they saw to it that these activities would be severely punished, mm. and so there would be no more Christmas truces uh, the rest of uh, World War One or World War Two. Mm. But in December 1944, during the Battle of the Bulge, uh, while the Americans fought for their lives against a huge German onslaught, there was a tiny shred of human decency that happened on Christmas Eve. And this is the story that you're going to remember, I think, Zeb. Okay, go ahead. So here we are, 1944, December, the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, three American soldiers, one was badly wounded. They were lost in the snow-covered Ardennes Forest. Now, as they tried to find the American lines, they'd been walking for three days while the sounds of battle echoed in the hills and valleys all around them. Then, on Christmas Eve, they came upon a small cabin in the woods. Elizabeth Vinken and her 12-year-old son Fritz had been hoping her husband would arrive to spend Christmas with them, but it was now too late uh, in the evening. They knew that he probably wouldn't be coming. But the Vinkens had actually been bombed out of their home in their hometown in Germany, but they'd managed to move into a hunting cabin in what's called the Hurtgen Forest. And I'm sure maybe there's some listeners that will recognize that. Uh, it's about four miles from a town called Monskau, near the Belgian border. Now, Fritz's father uh, stayed behind to work and visited them when he could. So the Christmas meal would now have to wait for his arrival. So Elizabeth and Fritz were alone in this little cabin uh, tucked away in the woods. Well, there was a knock on the door. Elizabeth blew out the candles and opened the door to find two enemy American soldiers standing at the door and a third one lying in the snow. Now, despite their rough appearance, they seemed hardly older than boys. They were armed and could have simply burst in, but they hadn't. So she invited them inside, and they carried their wounded comrade into the warm cabin. Mm. Elizabeth didn't speak English, and they didn't speak German. But they managed to communicate in broken French. Hearing their story and seeing their condition, Elizabeth, uh, especially the wounded soldier, Elizabeth started preparing a meal. She sent Fritz to get six potatoes and Herman the rooster. Herman, Herman the, the rooster. rooster. <laughs> we did that very well. We did. <laughs> and it was unrehearsed. It was. His stay of execution had been delayed by her husband's absence, but uh, the stay was rescinded. Herman's namesake was actually Herman Goring, Goering, the Nazi leader who Elizabeth didn't care much for. Ah. So they didn't bring that off up, came his they? head. Okay. <laughs> Down with Herman. Yes. So while Herman roasted, there was another knock on the door. 
and Fritz went to open it, thinking there might be more lost Americans. But instead, there were four armed German soldiers. Uh Uh-oh. Knowing the penalty for harboring the enemy was execution, Elizabeth, white as a ghost, pushed past Fritz and stepped outside. There was a corporal and three very young soldiers who wished her a Merry Christmas, but they were lost, and they were hungry. Now, Elizabeth told them they were welcome to come into the warmth and eat until the food was all gone, but there were others inside who they would not consider friends. The corporal asked sharply if they were Americans inside, and she said there were three who were lost and cold like they were, and one was wounded. Well, the corporal stared hard at her until she said, It is the holy night, and there will be no shooting here. She insisted they leave their weapons outside. Well, dazed by the events, uh, they slowly complied, and Elizabeth went inside, demanding the same of the Americans. She took their weapons and stacked them outside next to the Germans. Understandably, there was a lot of fear and tension in the cabin as the Germans and Americans eyed each other, you know, pretty suspiciously. Well, sure. I mean, you would. You were have been fighting against each other, and here you are, standing there with no weapons, but... You know, the warmth and the smell of the roast uh, Herman and potatoes <laughs> began to take the edge off, and the Germans produced a bottle of wine and a loaf of bread. And while, <clears throat> while Elizabeth tended to the cooking, one of the German soldiers, an ex-medical student, examined the wounded American. Oh, my. In English, he explained that the cold had prevented infection, but he'd lost a lot of blood. He needed food and rest. Well, by the time the meal was ready, the atmosphere was more relaxed. Two of the Germans were only 16. The corporal was 23. And as Elizabeth said grace, Fritz noticed tears in the eyes of the exhausted soldiers, both German and American. Well, the truce lasted through the night and into the morning. Looking at the Americans' map, the corporal told them the best way to get back to their lines and provided them with a compass. When asked whether they should go instead to this little town called Monschau, the corporal shook his head and said it was now in German's hands, or German hands. Elizabeth returned all the weapons, and the enemy shook hands and left in opposite directions. Soon they were out of sight, and the truce was over. Wow. But that's not the end of the story. Oh. Fritz and his parents survived the war. His mother and father passed away in the 60s, and by then uh, he had gotten married, uh, Fritz had, and moved to Hawaii, where he opened a place called Fritz's European Bakery uh, in Honolulu. Now, for years, he tried to locate any of the German or American soldiers without luck. How would he do that? Well, I don't know. Uh, It would have been a very, very difficult uh, task to try to find those German-specific and American soldiers. So, anyway, uh, uh, hoping to corroborate his story and see how they fared, he he kept looking, looking. Well, President Reagan... uh, Reagan heard of his story and referenced referenced it in a 1985 speech he gave in Germany as an example of peace and reconciliation. Oh, my. But it wasn't until the television program Unsolved Mysteries, you've heard of that? I have. Broadcast the story in 1995. Oh, my. That it was discovered that a man living in Frederick, Maryland, nursing home, had been telling the same story for years. Oh, my goodness. So Fritz flew to Frederick uh, in January. Say that fast. (laughs) He flew to 
flu in 1996. And he met with a guy by the name of Ralph Blank, one of the American soldiers, and he still had the German compass and map. Oh, my God. Ralph told Fritz, he said, your mother saved my life. Fritz said the reunion was the high point of his life. That was the wounded that American. That was the wounded American. Oh. Uh, Fritz um, also managed to later contact one of the other Americans, but none of the Germans. Uh, he was never able to, to find out who they were. And sadly, Fritz died in December of 2002, almost 58 years to the day of the Christmas truce, that he was forever grateful that his mother uh, finally got the recognition she deserved. Oh, and, and, my goodness. And what a kind Christian act, not only of Fritz and his mother, but the soldiers themselves. They didn't want to be there. Yeah, you know? really. They wanted to be home with their families. Wow. And so, you know, when I think of Christmas and and, and maybe loneliness, I, I've got to think that the oh, military yeah. had to has to be one of the hardest uh, times for our, our servicemen. And... Uh, you and I have spoken a lot of times about patriotism yeah. and the sacrifice and the suffering of our military people. Uh, I There can't be enough said. Well, you know, all of our service people, whether yeah. it's firefighters, whether it's policemen, whether it's the military, they run to the problem while the rest of us run away. Yeah, I I have the greatest respect for those those people, the firemen, the, the police officers. Well, of course, service I'm prejudiced, Doc, because you That's know right. my son is a firefighter. Yes. And uh, some of the harrowing experiences that he's already told us about as a parent, uh, I'm, you never stop being a parent. Right. And when you hear about some of the real concerns and worries and stories that kind of raise the hair on your back of your neck, you never stop worrying and wondering what's happening. Well, you know, people complain about our country, and yet it's the greatest place on earth. Yeah, you know, the Colin Kaepernick's and the negativity that they put forth and everything, go to another country and try to put forth your uh, shameful ideas and goals in front of them and see what happens. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that have traveled outside the United States, and there's a lot of great countries out there, but... Uh, I wouldn't trade, personally. You know, what I find amazing, though, is that story. It's a true story. It is a true story. And uh, it's really unfortunate. Uh, I love the way the story was as far as finding some of the soldiers, but it would have been so absolutely gratifying, I think, in its entirety, had he been able to contact some of the German soldiers. Yeah. That would have been something. Uh, there's another story, real quick, I'll tell you. that Real fast. Was it, two minutes. Okay. It wasn't necessarily Christmas, but there was a German fighter pilot. And he was not a Nazi. He was, he fought because it was his country. Yeah. There was a bomber that had been shot up pretty badly, and he could have finished the bomber off if he had wanted to. And they were headed towards England, the bomber, with whatever, seven or eight crew members. And he decided he was not going to finish them off. He pulled up beside the bomber, and he tried to signal for them to turn and land in, I think it was the Netherlands, or someplace where it was neutral. But the, the men in the bomber... Didn't quite understand what he was saying, so finally the, he left them and landed, and the the plane actually made it back to England and survived. Many, many years later, 
this German fighter pilot found out about a reunion of these men that were in that bomber. Oh, my. I believe it was in Seattle. He was invited over and met the families, the wives, the children of those men that were in that bomber. And he was the fighter pilot. And he was the fighter pilot. The German fighter yes, pilot. That could have ended their lives oh, so easily. Wow. Again, another, to me, another story of love and concern and the Christian attitude. Peace on earth, goodwill yeah. towards men. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. You know, there's so many things, and, and you've kind of opened the door for me to say this. On December 22nd, uh, Thursday, December 22nd, coming up in a very short matter of days, we're going to have our open house Christmas party here. And you, of course, are going to be invited to come over, and we're going to talk about Christmas with a lot of people on the air here. Um, there are the naysayers. There are those that hate and despise Christmas and the nativity scene and all the goodwill and peace towards men, etc. How can they? I mean, this is a time of the year when I don't care what religion you are, I don't care what politics you have, what party partisanship you have, we can all come together and say, Merry Christmas. It's a great time of the year. I love it. I love the Christmas music, the the good Christmas music. And, yeah. Uh, it is it is a great time of the year. It really is. You uh, that story was outstanding, thank and you. thank you, Doc. I appreciate that. And uh, I needless to say, you're going to be on Tuesday of next week. Right. And we're going to. I've got a few more Christmas stories we're going to talk about next week. Okay. And then Thursday, the twenty second, you're also going to be here. We'll be out here and, and uh, eat food and sing and yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me to sing. No. No. Well, I was hoping you'd renege. Anyway, uh, I certainly. We appreciate your story this morning. Thank you, Zeb. Thank you. Dr. History, and uh, I'm going to wrap some things up here, and then I'm going to talk to him during the break. Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, with Zach and the crew sponsoring Dr. History. And, oh, Doc, one more time. Tell everybody about those CDs. How can they get a hold of it? Oh, you can call me at 431-3355. Okay. You can call my home phone. I'm in the phone book. uh, Or my uh, where my practice was, my chiropractic office in Burley. You can go there and pick one up. Okay. And maybe even the Chamber of Commerce. I think they still have it. Okay. Doctor History. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.